Hey guys, it's JL here again, and I just want to introduce you to my next conversation with a friend of mine that I have known now for the past about probably two, two and a half years. Um, I might be wrong, but it's definitely two years or somewhere about there. Now, his name's Craig, and I have the very, very privilege of sitting down with him and talking to him about Jesus, um, but also his testimony. So, you might be coming in here in episode one, two, or three of this conversation. It's a two-part conversation. We sat down for like two hours uh, plus to just chat Jesus. Um, so, I got the privilege of hearing his testimony. So, I want to encourage you to enjoy to share this and um, maybe you can let me know uh, i think i've got some way of you contacting me in there where you can just like <clears throat> let me know what have been has there been um, any sort of misconceptions that you carried or are still carrying about jesus something that you're not quite sure about about jesus that um, you're still trying to figure out Hey, this was an enlightening conversation. It was a really good conversation. I'm, I'm seeming to be having more and more and more and more of these conversations. So Craig is going to be coming back on. Again, we're going to be talking about things to do with the gospel, things to do with the Bible. But for now, enjoy this three-part conversation. Wherever you are at and coming in for this conversation, just want to encourage you, if you are right in the middle, go back and listen to it. If you're right at the beginning, great. There's another two episodes to fairly quite long that should be able to cover quite a lot apart from that if you have any questions if you have any kind of things that you would like to reach out to me for let me know i'm excited to um, bring this to you and um yeah hopefully you enjoy it and, uh, on. so thank you for ring to come in and to have a chin wag about the person of Jesus. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what I said. We'll make sure that we'll chop out all the heresy <laughs> in post. <laughs> um, what I'd love to do is just start with just like you uh, talking a little bit about your history with Jesus. Okay. Because I think I've never heard your testimony. <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. Um, yeah, well, I uh, grew up in a Christian family. Um, my uh, mum and dad um, came to Christ pretty early. Um, dad was about 18, mum grew up in a Christian family under a pastor. Um, so my grandfather, Bob Hewson, yeah. was um, a pastor for many years, um, counted before that. And, um, yeah, they both moved to Perth when they got married. So married in Sydney, came to Perth, had the, um, you know, a few years of marriage and then kids and, mm. you know, all of that sort of thing. That happens, yeah. Um, uh, so I actually grew up for the first seven years of my life, I grew up in my grandfather's church. Um, which was a Pentecostal church. Um, he was a Anglican turned Pentecostal. So, um, oh, apostolic, sorry, apostolic turned Pentecostal. I always get that <laughs> mixed up. My apologies. Um, but yeah, apostolic turned Pentecostal. Um, so he 
and his wife, um, my grandma, was they were ordained teachers in the Apostolic Church. Um, and then when he became a Pentecostal, he started Melville City Church. Yeah. Um, and pastored there until I was about seven. Um, and he passed away from brain tumour mm. at 62. Mm. Um, and then after a couple of... It felt like years, but it was probably more like months. We decided as a family that we should move on from that church um, and just break some ties and, and just get out from under Bob's shadow um, and move into a church that more suited our family. So found ourselves at Hillside um, Church up yeah. in Forestfield. Yeah. Um, that was for 16 years of my life. Um, so quite formative in who I am and how I think about um, not just the gospel but how I think about theology, how I think about um, most of the experience I've had. Um, A lot of people when they come to their testimony they approach it as like pre-Jesus and then post-Jesus. I approach my testimony as always Jesus and faith reshaping moments Mm. Um, because I can never... I can never honestly say that I was not a believer. Mm. I can I couldn't honestly say that I was never I I wasn't a believer and then I was a believer. Yeah. Growing up in a Christian home, especially under a heavy ministry-oriented Christian home and a family which um, you you do a lot with the church. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people think of church as once a week or maybe twice a week. My family, it was more like three or four times a week at a minimum. Um, So always very heavily involved, and that's kind of how us three kids stayed in it. Um, You know, my brother and sister and myself, eh, to a lesser extent, um, we had our wandering times. Um, I think mine, I say mine to a lesser extent, mainly because I never lost faith. Mm. I never walked away from the church. I always kept my commitment. Um, after the first seven years of being at Hillside, I um, became a youth leader and spent nine years in the youth ministry there. Yeah. Um, and that, along with the worship team and being on every Sunday because I was the only bassist, um, <laughs> or, you know, slowly slowly training somebody up and then they'd leave somewhere or, you know, um, we'd have somebody in for a couple of months and I'd get a month off and then they'd leave. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you know, I I was always there every Sunday. Um, And, you know, I remember when I was maybe 19, 20, 21, you know, starting to figure out the social side of drinking and, you know, going from high school to university and, hating university for three months and then partying for three months and then getting my first job at a drafting firm, um, which at the time was the largest drafting company in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm not sure if they still are. Mm. But I came in as a trainee and I was suddenly earning $50,000 as an 18-year-old. Wow. And you think, that's not what you should give an (laughs) 18-year-old. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't learn a thing for the first three years because I was like, I've got money and I'm going to spend it. So I bought a brand new car, which turned out to be a lemon. I, you know, I got, um, very involved with a whiskey bar down in town. Um, and I knew all of the staff there because I was there every week. So, you know, there was times where, um, there was one specific time I remember I, I walked home from the train station cause I had no money for a cab. 
And I walked home from Bull Creek train station over here and walked right the way down Leech Highway, up Leech Highway, in um, High Road, and then down Valand Ave to my place. Like, I did this long loop. It took, I think it was like two and a half hours. Oh I was drunk out of my mind. Got three hours worth of sleep. Woke up, got changed, had a shower. Oh, sorry, had a shower, went, got changed, and went straight to church and played bass. Like, wow. <laughs> it's like... And that for me, Hectic. you know, obviously, um, was I very close with God at that time? Probably not. <laughs> but did I ever lose faith that he was there? No. Yeah. You know, and I think that was always playing in the back of my mind. I had this constant, like, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I haven't read anything that really convicts me to stop what I'm doing. Right, yeah. So, and I hadn't heard anything that really convicted me to yeah. stop what I was doing. And when I was in youth ministry, like I wasn't going out on a Friday night because Friday nights were always taken up. Even outside of term, we were doing team meetups and all sorts of stuff like that. So you didn't have the freedom of going to your mate's birthday parties and stuff like that. And I would always say to them, like, oh, I'll make, you up on the, I'll make it up to you on the Saturday. Mm. Like, come out with me on the Saturday mm. and we'll go out on the town. You won't pay for a thing. Yeah. Like, you know. I was earning lots, so it didn't matter. <laughs> That's it. So it didn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, I, I think until I was about 22, uh, so I'd done job change in that as well. So 18 to 19, I was there at the drafting company for a whole year. Yeah. And then I was made redundant because things had to change in the company for various reasons um, and I was on that list because I'd transferred from drafting to IT and then from IT back to drafting because I, I just couldn't, nobody was mentoring me in it, nobody was training me in it so I was kind of like a lost fish in a massive pond of I don't know what I'm doing. So I ended up um, being made redundant, uh, paid out for a month which was generous, very generous for an 18 year old um, and then uh, got a job a month later as soon as that money ran out at a different drafting firm, um, a smaller one, doing pallet racking and that sort of stuff. Um, and that taught me some serious lessons about who I was as a Christian, who I wanted to represent, um, how I wanted to represent my faith in a workplace, um, because I was rude, crude, and thought I knew everything. Um, and I have a vivid memory of um, not shouting down, not shouting down, but like, quite harshly and quite pointedly telling a Christadelphian you don't believe in Christ in the first place so you shouldn't be talking about Christmas mm. and I remember that moment so clearly because it was one of these moments where as soon as it leaves your mouth you've realized you're stuffed up <laughs> um, and I never gained back that ground um, and it wasn't just with that person that I told it was the rest of the people who looked at me and knew who I was and knew what I represented. All I did was confirm for them that I was one of those Christians. Yeah. So, yeah, I had to do some hard thinking. And what I ended up doing was I finished out a project for them, um, the Australia Post Parcel Sorting Facilities over East. I finished out that project for them and said to... Um, said to the engineer who was my line manager, um, look, I'm taking a year off from drafting and I'm going to resign in a month and I'm starting Bible college. Mm. And 
I decided to go to Tabor Bible College, which was on my church campus. So that kind of worked out well for me. And this is kind of the part of the story where um, it's like the worst part, but the best part because it's faith defining. Um, I went to Bible college and I was involved with a girl um, from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church at the time um, who wasn't very early on, but probably seven months into our relationship, we started to talk about engagement and getting married and stuff like that. And as soon as I put a ring on her finger, um, we started having sex. And I was in Bible college, you know, learning all of this stuff Mm. and doing um, basics of hermeneutics, basics of worldviews, basics of Hebrew, basics of Greek, all of that sort of stuff. It was diploma-level theology. And Mm. then on the outside of that, because I am not good at study, I was covering it all up with, oh, I've got a girlfriend, I don't have time, or, you know, I'm engaged, I don't have time, or, you know, it's actually more fun to have sex than it is to study theology. Like, you know, there's, yep. there was that whole thing. <laughs> um, so I ended up, um, yeah, just getting myself in this situation where we were a week out from Christmas in 2015, and we were having fight after fight after fight, and... She um, said something to me like a couple of weeks before this was, I'm going to go babysit somebody's kids for some cash. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Um, And she said to me a week before Christmas, hey, you know that time that I went babysitting? Everything was falling apart. Like I was kind of resigned to my fate at this point that we were going to break up at some point. It was just a matter of time. And she said to me that, well, she didn't go babysit. She actually went back to the brothel she used to work at six months before she met me mm. for cash to pay her rego for a car. Oh, wow. And I'm like, you could have asked me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you could, like, it wasn't so much like that she went back to her old life. That was one thing and that took a wild process. Yeah. But the whole premise of you needed 80 bucks to pay for your rego, that was something which I was like, okay, that's unforgivable. Yeah. Not so much that you went back to your old life. Everybody slips up and we could work through that. The yeah. fact that you don't trust me to actually come to me and ask me for cash and, you know, come to me and talk to me about it even, like that was the problem I had. Yeah. Um, so that was back in 2015 mm. and that was five years ago now. Yeah. And now I am 27. <laughs> um, I am happily married to uh, a lovely Christian lady, um, who is always impressing me with how fervent she studies the word. Um, <laughs> she studies way more than me, like straight out. <laughs> like, yeah. And be talking to her. <laughs> well, I think she grew up in a Baptist home, which is great, and she's got a really solid foundation. Mm. But being a Pentecostal is new to her. So right. as she's reading the word, she has the spirit in her reading the word back to her. So it's not that she's just reading words off a page. Yeah. The spirit is testifying in her and, and telling her things and revealing things to her that I take for granted. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, I, I got that bit. Yeah, I got and that. I got that when I was 12. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's not so much like in your face. I, I got it when I was young. It was more just like, it, but that was a principle that I was taught. Yeah. You know, yeah. and she's learning these things now. And um, there's a couple of conversations we've had where 
I've said to her, yeah, that's the reason why I do this, this mm. thing over here. Like mm. that principle that you've just discovered is the exact reason why I do that. Wow. She thought, oh, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's, that's awesome. great. That's such yeah, a good time. So, um, so, yeah, I think if I was going to list off my faith redefining moments, um, just to kind of summarize my testimony a bit, um, not a huge amount's happened over the last three years. I'm just trying to think back, apart from meeting Ashley, engaging and, you know, getting married and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, just small yeah. things like yeah, that, right? Yeah, just small things. Um, <laughs> meeting your life partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's that's great. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if I was going to list them. Yeah. First is uh, when my granddad passed away when I was seven. Mm. And the reason for that is because it's founded my theology on healing um, mm. because so many people were praying for him to get healed and my childlike mind is, you know, healing a cut or a bruise, it it seals up and goes away. It's not so much that you um, think of it in any other context. You know, if you heal a broken bone, you set the broken bone, you cast the broken bone and it heals on itself. So... Um, when I was a kid, I had to figure out for myself at seven years old, like, okay, but what does healing mean? Yeah. Um, which I didn't have the tools to figure that out for myself. Yeah. So um, what I ended up doing was um, I kind of put all of that to the side and just compartmentalized it yeah. and left it there. Um, so that was like first faith defining moment was kind of like big thing happened. Not, I wouldn't call it trauma. I wouldn't call it trauma because I think there are people who go through far worse things that actually affect them physically or mentally or spiritually. And I never went through that. Okay. That's, I'd clarify that because yeah. it's, yeah, it's not trauma. It's just a, a thing that happened. People die. It's a thing. Um, and I wouldn't call that childhood trauma, um, because I grew up in a great home, yeah. you know, and we dealt with it and we didn't leave it just hanging in the air. We actually talked about it, discussed it, dealt with it. Um, second was probably when I almost died, um, or lost my legs. Whichever way Is you want to put it. Incident? Funnily enough, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had this brand new car when I was drafting, and it was a um, a lava red um, Holden Cruise SRIV, brand new off the lot, right? Everything in it was electric. <laughs> Push button start. Um, it had a big ECU uh, computer in it that was like controlled the steering, controlled the torque, everything, right? Um, and I was like, yeah, cool, sick, great. Um, until the days that it didn't work. Cause every now and then I'd walk out and it would just take ages to turn on or it mm. would, it would decide not to work. And one of these times I was already late for work. Yeah. Um, so I just decided, you know, oh, I'll just, I'll ask dad real quick if I can take his car cause he was going to bus and train in anyway. So I'm like, he's yeah. not going to use it. Yeah. So I jump in dad's old Saab 97, you know, old school, um, convertible. Um, midlife crisis car yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I start fanging it down the highway and um, on the way down 
like I've just gotten on uh, there's Nicholson Road and then the Row Highway goes up. Yeah. I've just gotten on Row Highway, and uh, traffic was moving pretty normal. It was like about eighty k's is yeah. what I got up to, and I took my eyes off the road for just half a second just to check the fuel gauge because I was like, oh, I didn't check, yeah. you know, when I got in the car, and um, when I looked back up, there was a Nissan Patrol in front of me who was emergency braking, um, coming to a full stop from eighty k's to oh. zero. Dude. And I hit him at full 80 because I didn't have time to break. Um, so uh, I, yeah, like walked out with a slight airbag scratch on my forehead and just sat on the side of the road, waited for emergency services to come and isolate the battery and everything. And um, I was chatting to the guy, the, the tow yard that we went to go pick the thing up from. I was chatting to the guy there who assessed the car and he said, so... This isn't your car. This is your dad's car. I'm like, yeah, it's my dad's car. And he said, what car do you drive? I'm like, Holden Cruiser, sorry, Ivy. He's like, oh, one of those plastic things. Yeah, you would have lost your legs or died. Because the crumple zone, it, what, what happened on the, on the Saab was the engine was shunted into the firewall between the driver and the engine. And he said the firewall on cruisers um, and, and any newish sort of small car, especially mm. small hatchbacks, they mm. thin out the firewall to save weight. Yeah. So you're not driving a beastly heavy car. You've got this nice hot hatch. And he reckons that if, if it didn't puncture, it would have crushed and I would have lost my legs. Or if it did puncture, I would have died because it would, would have would smashed have straight through. through yeah. Um, so, wow. yeah. That was a massive faith redefining moment as well because it was okay. How do I now deal with the fact that I could have died if I was driving my car, yeah. but my car decided to stop working and I was driving dad's car? So, like, the timings just worked out where I'm like, okay, that's got to be God, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, cool. So, that's your second faith redefining moment. So, that was my second. We'll just welcome the um, friends of my phone listening yes uh my third faith re redefining moment was um this breakup with um this girl mm. um so that was rough as guts um being a week before christmas um like it made christmas with my family like real hard so i essentially didn't really talk much. I went out, I ate, and then I went straight back to my room and just didn't want to speak to anybody. And they understood that and they left me alone to my own devices for obvious reasons. And then Boxing Day, I got really, really flippin' drunk. Like, mm. really flippin' drunk. We're talking the same bar that you... No, 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 this was at a mate's place. This was at a mate's place. Yeah. So um, he was having a Boxing Day gig and I just rocked up and, like, I rocked up with... I think um, half a carton of something mm. um, and a whole bottle of whiskey and went through it in one night. Um, I got real drunk. And as a bigger fella, like for those who can't see me and don't know who I am, I'm a bigger fella. I've always been a bigger fella at that point in time. I was probably 130 kilos. Like, mm. So I can take my alcohol. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this, this particular night I went way overboard. Mm. Um, because I was dealing with all this hurt yeah. and I now have a a ring which I have to sell and yeah. I've got, you know, all of these memories I now need to cut off and all of the wow. spiritual implications which I knew about, which is I've made soul bonds with this yeah. person and I now have to go cut those off and yeah. 
I now have to justify to everyone who knows that I was engaged why I am now not engaged. Yeah. And Explaining yourself. Yeah, you know. And <laughs> I got to the point where um, I said to heaps of people, actually, like, you actually don't need to know. All you need to know is that it's messy. Mm. I am dealing with a lot of stuff mm. and I'm not going to justify myself to you. Yeah. And they were like... A lot of them were okay with that. Yeah. Some people left indignant and, you know, people who want to gossip and all of that sort of stuff left a bit indignant. But we kept it very low-key in the church. Yeah. And reasoning for that is it's a church. As much as we hate to admit it as Christians, word spreads real quick about whatever is going on. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, in my experience... Um, act surprised when they hear, hear things because they probably heard it three weeks ago because Jenny went and told Gemma who went and told Stacy who went and told Becky and Becky has now told them. You know, yeah, like yeah, it's it gets around real big quick. sideways circle. For sure. So um, very shortly after that, um, I spent six months off the worship roster. I left youth ministry um, and I spent a lot of time in my own thoughts at home. I wasn't studying, um, I wasn't really working, um, I was just kind of faffing around. Um, and I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I need some work. So I put a little call out on Facebook and a mate set me up with some work for his dad. And then that led to me getting my testing and tagging license. And then that led to me getting a contract on HMAS Sterling through yeah. him, Garden Island, Naval Base, um, doing testing and tagging on the island. Yeah. Pretty good gig. Sorry. And then um, we lost that contract for, for various reasons. Well, I lost that contract and I ended up breaking up that business partnership because of what went on. Mm. Um, and that was just icing on top of the cake from everything the year before that I hadn't dealt with. So I pretty much became a functioning alcoholic for like three weeks. Um, and by functioning, like I wasn't working, I wasn't doing anything. So I wasn't very much functioning. It was more, I was just able to keep a straight face in front of people. Mm. Um, but every night it was like drink on top of drink on top of drink. Um, and some mornings it was drink on top of drink on top of drink or yeah. some lunch times it was drink on top of drink on top of drink just cause it was like, I don't know how to deal with this and I don't want to deal with this. So I'm not gonna. And yeah. the thing that takes away the pain the quickest and the easiest is alcohol. So I'm going to do that mm -hmm. and I'm going to drown my sorrows yeah. as they say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, that was rough. Um, that's probably, that's probably the, Hardest time I've had, because at the end of all of that, um, I should probably give some context to this next thing, but back in high school, as a fat kid, I dealt with a lot of bullying, verbal abuse, um, I, dealt with, I dealt with depression and suicidal thoughts, yeah. um, but I think I don't want to cheapen that because I dealt with it rather lightly. I was in the church, I had a support network, yeah. so it was all sorted out quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's why it hasn't come up because I wouldn't call that something part of my past. It was just, it was, I was a fat kid in high school. I got called fat kid. Mm. <laughs> that's simple. So, um, 
yeah, this this time when when I was an alcoholic and depressed, um, I actually drew up plans, um, and it was real easy for me to figure out how, and real easy for for me to figure out how long it would take for people to find me, how long it would take if I did one thing, how long it would take for me if I did another thing. Um, and um, one of the most misinterpreted verses of the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. Yeah. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Yeah. Um, the thing that hit me was on a whim, I decided to just pull out my Bible and give it one last crack and just see what would happen. Yeah. And what I came to was not Jeremiah 29.11, but Jeremiah 29.10, mm. which for those who don't know, it says, this is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will bring you home again so good. for I know the plans that I have for you. Yeah. And well, in well. the pit, in my darkest moment, and that sounds super cliche and I hate it, but in, like, <laughs> in my darkest sort of pit, down at the bottom of the bottle, yeah. that struck me to my core. Mm. And it wasn't so much a reminder for me that God was there. It was a reminder from God saying, you have faith. What are you doing? Come uh, back. Yeah. Come back. I remember you. You need to remember me. Yeah. Come back. Come home. Come back. Mm. And so I decided I need a clean slate. Yeah. I need to come home. So I left Hillside, mm. which for my family was a big thing. You know, you've spent 16 years of your life here. This is the family church, you know. The other two have left and come back and now you will leave and come back. Like we understand how this goes. And (laughs) and I'm saying to them, no, no, I'm not coming back. There are are far too many memories here. There are far too many things in my life which this place, if it changes, it will kill me. Mm. Because my memories are attached to this place as it is. And if I leave now... I can preserve the memories yeah. and I can deal with all the crap, right. excuse my French, <laughs> and I can move on, you know. So I left and I, after skimming through a few churches, I went to Red Door Church in Coburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I did a lot of healing there. Yeah. Um, and just as icing on top of the cake, I dealt with another issue there, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... Awesome. Um, you know, there was a um, there was a rumor spread out about me and how I have come to the church just to find a wife, or I've come to the church oh, to, boy. you know, use my pastoral gifting. This is verbatim, by the way. This is what somebody said to me: to use my pastoral gifting to score dates with girls. That was what somebody said to me. Now, context around this, um, I shot back to that person: Are you calling me gay? Because I wasn't just catching up with girls. Yeah. In fact, I caught up with twice the amount of guys that I caught up with girls. And all I was trying to do was figure out who I want to be friends with in the church. Yeah. I'm a new guy. I want to know about people's testimonies. I want to know, like, am I treading on eggshells everywhere? Or am I going to root myself down in this church? 
Um, and I ended up getting quite hurt from this um, mm. and just stuck to my own little friendship group who, yeah. you know, I pulled a couple of guys from Mounties across with me and, you know, they're solid friends. Yeah. You know, one of them's in America right now in Portland and, and we still catch up, you know, um, and it's going to be one of those lifelong friendships that never leaves. Awesome. But again, it was a faith redefining moment because I worked out how some churches work in management and mm. I worked out how some churches work in how they deal with rumors within the church and there's a thing in law called the burden of proof yeah um and the burden of proof was not on everybody who was spreading the rumor the burden of proof was on me and which means it's on you to prove otherwise exactly yeah so from the rumors from from the rumors it was on me to prove that i was not doing this for uh, an ulterior motive which i was not able to do yeah. You know, even though I was asking to be involved in every volunteer thing I could because I wanted to get in, in the church and mm. be part of the church. I was on the worship team. I, I was on um, media. I was on, you know, doing young adult stuff. I was trying as hard as I could, but I could never break the barrier of the youth ministry crew mm. and me and my mm. friends who weren't in youth ministry and were the interlopers from Mounties. Yeah. So... That was real hard, <laughs> but um, again, like it shaped the way that I think about how the church should run as the body of Christ, and you know, uh, it's um, it's addressed quite a few times in the in the Bible. But the, one of the things that comes to mind is that the tongue has the power of life and death, mm. and there was no life spoken into me or over me. There was just death spoken in shadows around me, which meant all of my hope of trying to get involved in this church mm. was just cut out. Straight away, yeah. yeah. So I prayed on it, mm. and I was dating Ashley at this time, and I was engaged to Ashley at this time. So people, you know, obviously knew that I I wasn't there to do stuff, and I, uh, sorry, I wasn't engaged to Ashley. I was dating Ashley at this time, and um. People knew that I was dating somebody, so like obviously this rumor has been put to bed, right? Yeah. And I then figured out the extent of the rumor because one of my good mates just stopped talking to me altogether, and I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Wow. Um, but I um, I was praying to God, and uh, just uh, obviously, I, I feel like that's not something I should have studied. Well, at least it's not baby Jesus. I know, right? I'll say it. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, so, yeah, I was praying to Yahweh, God, you know, um, <laughs> the God, um, through Jesus by the Holy Spirit, uh, by Jesus through the Holy Spirit, sorry. Um, and, um, uh, we'll touch on that. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll get there. Um, so, yeah, I just had this, uh, just before leavers, I, I had this um, this feeling that I needed to come speak to Josh Fernandez mm. um, up at Grace Life, mm. which I didn't do. I ignored it because I'm like, nah, it's just a weird feeling that I have. So I didn't end up doing that. And then after leavers had passed, I'm involved with Red Frog, so I was, I was there for the leavers week. And after leavers had passed, I, I felt like I'd missed an opportunity. Mm. Um, so... I then decided, okay, well, for the Christmas service, I'm not planning on going to Red Door, so I'll head up and go to the Grace Life one. Yeah. 
and I had a friend, Amy Wyborn, over at Gross Life Ellenbrook, so I decided I'll go and I'll see Amy for Christmas and yeah. I'll just chill over at Ellenbrook for a bit. Yeah. And as soon as I walked in and as soon as I heard the word and Alex Huggett was preaching and it was just a solid word yeah. and I heard how they go about community, I heard about how, you know, there's a bunch of young people here and it's a really open community and people are just feeling at home here and I was like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for home. I'm not looking for performance. I'm not looking for um, a hospital for the broken. I'm looking for home. Yeah. And um, I said to Ashley, um, I think at this point, yeah, because this was two years ago, so we were engaged at this point. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I said to Ashley um, after like New Year's had passed, um, we need to move church. I met you during that you season. Did. You did. I remember that. Mm. So, um, <laughs> I... What a weird... Yeah. <laughs> what a weird. Oh, man. Who would have known? Mm. So, yeah, like, I, I said to Ashley, like, um, we're being called to Grace Life. <laughs> we're being called to Grace Life. And, you know, she was like... She was tentative because she's like, oh, I've moved from, you know, Riverton Baptist mm. and my parents' church to Red Door. Like, I, I would have thought that I'd stay here. Yeah. Um, so she was, like, unsure. And then she came up and listened to a service. And she was like, yep, okay, let's clear all of our rosters out. Let's get out of all the things that we're involved in. Let's move. So we did. Was that her first Sunday when I met you too? Mm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, um, crazy. yeah, so we just cleared all of our um, rosters for all the things that we are mm. that we're involved in which was hard on two fronts um, I held I held keys to Red Door Church I was on um, the set up and pack down service team um, Ashley was involved in the kids ministry and you know it was hard to break ties sure. but it was necessary yeah. um, and I think you know the the takeaway that I took from that was we should never be afraid to take and break ties if God's calling us in an opposite direction. Yeah. And if we're staying there just out of stubbornness, that's not what we should be doing in the first place. Yeah. So move, yeah. you know. Um, and that kind of brings us up to now. Yeah. Um, being married is a whole new experience, and I'm sure that there's sure. going to be many faith-redefining moments out of it. Yeah. But, you know, that's still yet to come. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, me in 30 minutes. That's a good nutshell, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I like what you said in that Jesus always a new faith redefining mm. moment um, with regards to testimonies. Um, yeah, that's awesome. What a rich yeah. history. Mm. Um, so, I guess, like, for today's chat um, Jesus is obviously the the reason why we're all here mm. um, do you have a favorite Jesus passage that you go to that I go to um, <laughs> in what context in what season <laughs> who he is <laughs> um, look I'd probably say Sermon on the Mount just because it's a, a solid work of just how he ministers and how he looks after the flock. 
but my actual favorite passage of Jesus is when he curses the fig tree yeah. because it's so misunderstood. And it's just like the character of Jesus is hilarious. Um, it's heavily misunderstood in absolutely. a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that I, I definitively know perfect knowledge on how he cur- why he cursed the fig tree, but I think I've got a pretty good idea. Okay, so let's start there. Okay. Let's go. I hope you enjoyed that. That was my conversation with Craig. And um, whether this is the first episode that you're listening to, the second or the third, wherever you're at, again, I want to encourage you, share them. Um, Let me know if there's anything that you agreed, disagreed with, something that made you think a little bit more. Whatever that is, um, I want to encourage you, just let me know. But apart from that, I look forward to hearing you hearing from you or getting back to you in the next episode i also want to encourage you before this conversation with craig actually drops there is an extra um then extra episode something that i've called something like the revolution has begun that's actually from an assassin's creed game <laughs> like just a saying um for when you're recruiting people um, but i thought it would just be appropriate given what um god and god is doing right now in the life of the church and in the life of his believers so the revolution has begun i want to encourage you to go and listen to it let it encourage you let it challenge you and um, let me know what your thoughts are if you find it helpful share it as well